you don't read the newspaper, you're uninformed. If you do read it, you're misinformed. What is the long-term effect of too much information? Information, information, I just need some information. I've been dying, I've been dying, is it lack of education? I've been reading, I've been reading without any transformation. I'm addicted, I'm addicted, is it overstimulation? Hey. Welcome to the Success Report. The Success Report. Hear ye, hear ye, come one, come all. You are listening to The Sixth Sense Report with Darnell Samuels and Joel Nikoloff. What up? I'm just playing with you, bro. How you doing, Joel? I'm doing well, man. Doing well. Good, good. So, let me ask you, how much would you pay for a ticket to your favorite show? Uh, Well, I was blessed for many years to work at the Air Canada Center. Selling programs, walking down the aisles. Programs, get your programs here. <laughs> Did you really do it? Like oh, a hundred percent, man, <laughs> dude. The best was like working concerts, right? You're the so programs are stupid, stupid expensive, and you're standing at a booth. Like the beginning, you know, the intro. Anyone who's ever been to a game, you know, you see the guys standing at a booth. Like you got to yell so people know where you are. I was, I mean, I'm sarcastic. I don't know how much that comes through on the podcast. Probably enough. Um. <laughs> So concerts, programs are like 30 bucks, 35 bucks, 40 bucks. I think the, the highest price was ever like $50. Um, for, wait, for what? A book from a concert, right? So you get these like legends who are coming through doing their, you know, tours. They can sell a book like David Bowie, $40. David Bowie fans who now only see him in Toronto once every five years. Maybe they didn't go to a show in 20 years. You know, they're going to go buy that, that program because it's like memorabilia. Anyways. Right. I was commission based, but I would be like, it's only $30. Like total sarcasm, yelling at the top. Man, I had so much fun. It's probably partly why I'm so willing to talk, maybe too willing to talk, is that like in that job, you had to get rid of all of your inhibitions. If you were shy, trying to yell programs, you'd be like, programs, programs. Like, so, oh man, so wait, so that means you got to see a couple shows. That means I was at all of the Raptor games. Okay. All of, you know, playoff runs when Carter was here. Oh, wow. All the failures in playoffs. Um, you know, I, Leaf games, like, back in the day before salary cap era when we were kind of on the up and up, you know, I was, part of, I was at every playoff game. So, I mean, I saw a whole bunch of shows without paying money, which is great. I didn't always make great money because, you know, Raptors back in, I mean, I worked there from 99 to 06 or 07. Okay. So, I mean, Raptors games, like before we had a, a minimum pay that we would get because it was all commission, uh, minimum pay eventually became 25 bucks and you were working like three hours. So it was relatively fair back then for minimum wage price. Um, I mean, Raptor games, man, I'd be in the, I just started there. I'd have the bottom of the totem pole. I'd be at the worst spot, which is like upstairs, halfway around the building, mm-hmm. not, not 319. I think 323 were like the main, right at the top of those escalators. Mm-hmm. I'd be, you know, 308, 312 is the freight elevator. Right. <laughs> you know, you're working a leaf game at the freight elevator, you know you're the top, bottom of the totem pole. <laughs> um, so, I mean, on average, a leaf game, I'd make like 35, 40 bucks. Good nights, I'd make like 70 or 80. Raptor games, though, man, bad nights, $10. I will concerts. Best concert was Paul McCartney. I made like 250. My brother made 350. We worked like two hours, sold out of books. Whoa. But books were like $40. We're making like $2 a book. You sell 100 books, there's 200 bucks. Wow. Who else did you see? Um, my favorite performance for like back in the day, 
was Kanye opening for Usher. Jesus Walks. I was just like standing at the top of the aisle, just rocking out, loving it. Oh, wow. Um, but I mean, the best. So I've seen, I remember Madonna was there for three shows. Um, my favorite overall concert man, headliner. You, man, you blessed, man. You could die today. You yeah. good. My favorite concert <laughs> was, was Linkin Park in terms of the person that I was a fan of. Um, but the best show, the best show was someone I didn't even like at the time. Now as an adult, I'm a little bit more, uh, got an ear for quality music, let's say, was Prince. Oh, wow. Prince's concert was literally a little circle stage in the middle of the stadium, the Air Canada Center. And well, now it's Scotia Bank Arena. Mm-hmm. $800 million buys you a name tag. Anyways, um, that atmosphere for fans, I was like, it was so cool. He's like barefoot on stage. He's inviting people on stage. Like, oh, come sit on the couch, take <laughs> off your shoes. Let me just sing this random song. Not to you, but you get front row. You know, yo, that, yo, that's so Prince. <laughs> it was, it was just, you know, taking it in was like, this is an awesome atmosphere. Um, so that, that said, you know, the most I've ever spent, I went to the first UFC at, uh, Skydome back, you know, when they, it was, I don't know how long ago, it was probably five to five, seven years ago now. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, that place was sold those 60,000 people there paid like 500 bucks for a ticket. Of you course. You paid 500? I lived at home with my parents. Give me a break. Oh, okay. I didn't have a kid, a wife, you know, no responsibilities. I ain't dropping the 500 bucks days. on no tickets now. Um, I was also at the first or the second one time they were here, they were in Air Canada Center or yeah, ACC. I don't, I don't think I paid as much, but still it was pricey, but yeah, it's, I mean, those are probably the only shows. The next shows I've gone to are like me and you, man, going oh, to, uh, dream junkies, dream junkies, $25 oh, yeah, <laughs> in a, you know, a little hole in the wall almost, yeah. right? Like blow the sound system first song. Yeah. That was dope actually. Yeah. That was a um, good concert. No, that was a that was a really sad day for me too, actually, uh, personally. But I won't get into that. But. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember. Um, uh, wow. Okay. Well, that's so. Funny. What about I, you? What, what's what's your highlights? Uh, I don't. Uh, well, compared to you, oh, sh- compared to you, I don't. I don't go anywhere. <laughs> <laughs> like, what, what, uh, I don't know what uh, the best com- uh, concert I've been to uh, was Lecrae, and that was on a group discount. <laughs> So I'm um, so so my stories end right there. Yeah. So we can just start the episode. No, Dream Junkies like, is better than Lecrae. Yeah, actually, about? yeah, yeah. Dream Junkies was was better than Lecrae. I don't think Lecrae's listening. So <laughs> <laughs> no, no. But seriously, though, no, I no, I don't, I don't, I don't. I'm yeah, a cheap. I'm, 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 I'm a cheapskate um, in that way, kind of. So you know, that's how it goes. But 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 all that to say, you know, everybody's a fan of somebody, and you know, whether it's in the sports or or uh, music um you know but uh how much you know as a listener how much would you pay you know to go to see your favorite artist because uh cbc news um and toronto star did an investigation that reveals how uh box office uh the box office box office behemoth uh ticket master uses its own uh bag of tricks to kind of uh sell tickets uh, so that's what we're going to look at today. So, reading the headline, you can tell the bias. Just saying. Well, of the, the headline, CBC investigation. Headline, yeah, it says, uh, I'm getting ripped off. 
a look inside Ticketmaster's price hiking, price hiking bag of tricks. So, I mean, you know, there's a, there, I, the reason I say bias is because clearly there's an, the way this is presented is Ticketmaster is arguably they're trying to imply that they're immoral. The behavior they're engaging in is, is inappropriate. Mm-hmm. And, uh-huh. and the, the context for this investigation was the Bruno's, Bruno Mars concert um, that recently happened in Toronto. And, and so for me, the question is, is what Ticketmaster doing, can you legitimately call it immoral? Like, I think that's a fair question. Um, I, don't, I don't really consider this article as laying out, you know, what, what we call is a lack of objective reporting. They're not giving you all the facts. They're not painting a picture to say, here's all the information. You make a decision. Yeah, but, but even to defend CBC, you know, they're, you know, they're giving you their perspective, which is what most people think. So, so it's pretty cool in that. Well, is that just like you see you you get to think what most people are thinking? Isn't that just being an echo chamber, though? Like, oh, we know our audience is going to click on this headline because they agree with it, or or more so, more so, um, we're going to say what they want to hear. Um, and I and I think it's very helpful. So once we get more into it, uh, we'll we'll kind of see the um the the contrast between. Um, mm-hmm. where, where we would stand and where uh, CBC stands. Uh, yeah, and, and hopefully I think we can provide a little bit of context mm-hmm. um, as to you know, how is this occurring? Why is it occurring? What is this from an economics perspective? Um, but mm-hmm. you know, they call them trick... Well, we, we're, we're going to refer to them as trick one, trick two, and trick three. Um, okay, okay. So uh, the first one is... so. Yeah, there's subtitles one. within the... Uh, yeah, article. so so trick one uh prices can change at any time so within five minutes of the tickets going on sale at noon on february 16 it appeared the arena was nearly sold out most of what remained were tickets priced at 500 dollars or up to 2500 for a spot in the front row as fans scrambled ticketmaster ripped a page from the proverbial scalper handbook and began increasing prices for some seats but scalpers aren't alone in increasing prices mid-sale. And CBC also found 120 non-platinum tickets that increased from $191.75 to $209.50 after the sale began. And, and they uh, have a nice little infographic to show you, you know, a whole bunch of price changes. Yeah, but we'll um, put the link in the yeah. show notes. Um, yeah, I, it's, I, I find this so funny because it's like, what about scalpers? Right? Like they kind of reference scalpers. Do we think what scalpers are doing is immoral? Like, do we deem the scalpers' behavior immoral? Like, because if we don't, then how do we say what Ticketmaster is doing, which is technically the same thing? And, and I would say this is, you know, a, a pretty common activity within pricing, which is when your supply gets really, really low, you increase prices. And when supply is really, really high and you're not selling, you decrease prices. This is how you get a sale at Sport Check for hoodies on whatever. Why? Mm-hmm. Because that particular hoodie wasn't selling as good potentially. And so mm-hmm. it ends up with a, cre- a better discount than the one that was selling better. Mm-hmm. I might, bo- you know, two different hoodies might both be priced at 60 bucks. The one that sells better, Under Armour, for example, never goes on sale versus, you know, Burton and other companies they have there go on sale more often. So what does that say to me? The inventory 
Right. So are you saying that that the that the price changes are not arbitrary? No, they're they're based on demand. If your demand exceeds the supply, right, which is what what they're trying to do, if I'm looking at this objectively, what's Ticketmaster trying to do? They're only releasing a set amount of tickets to gauge how's the demand for this. Mm-hmm. If the demand is really, really high, those tickets are going to sell out at that price point. Well, if they're selling out at this price point, if we bump it a little bit, are they going to sell a bit slower? So if you're saying that, I mean, really what we're talking about here is, is a little bit of price discrimination where, but they do it already within the building. This is what's hilarious for me. Go look at the, the map normally of a building and like, oh, you have these arbitrary lines where platinum becomes gold one line between and the price ticket or the jump in price between that platinum section and the gold section is crazy significant, but it's one row. So we, we've culturally or normally have accepted, oh, platinums are this price and, and golds are a little bit worse of a seat. Um, and so that price discrepancy is okay. But how is that any different than two people in the same row paying slightly different prices? It's not. But we have this culturally acceptable, oh, you know, and, and this is where I think the criticism is founded is when you have the entire stadium laid out and it's like, okay, this, these rows have this price, these rows have this price, and so on and so on. It's very transparent and you know the differences and you can make a more informed decision. Okay. But in this case, the consumer is making decisions in a perception of being informed when really they're not. Okay. And so in that sense, I, I, I can agree with criticisms. Like, if you don't like those business practices, you have every right to criticize them. But to call it immoral means you're assuming they're defrauding people or, or some sort of violation. And, and unless you want to say they're you know, being deceptive, okay, maybe there's a little room for conversation there. Um, but now going forward, if you know this is the case, it's, the, the information's out there. What does that tell you to do? If you want it to be an informed customer, and or sorry, an informed customer, how would they act based on this information? What based on the fact that ticket prices are going to go up the longer you wait, so they're going to buy it as soon as possible. Exactly. So it, it's going to shape your behavior now that you're in the know. Before you would have thought, well, if I just wait, maybe I can see if there's other tickets that'll like I can't quite see right now. Maybe someone's got them on hold. But really, the reality is, no, like whatever you can see is probably the cheapest prices you're going to get for that quality. Mm-hmm. So now, if you operate in that no, does that change whether you think it's right or wrong? For the listener, I'm posing that question. Mm-hmm. Um, I think most people's criticisms here, and to correct me if I'm wrong or you think something different, is that they're just pissed they paid higher price. Like, I want to pay less. Well, duh, that's the basics of economics. I'm not trying to be rude here, but like, what does economics say? When the price is lower, I'm going to buy more. Mm-hmm. When the seller, it's the opposite. When the price is higher, they're going to sell more, right? Like, I mean, I referenced Madonna had three shows in Toronto. Why? Because they sold out so fast, she added another one. And then it sold out so fast, she added another one. They increased the supply because they had so much demand. Mm-hmm. Well, that's crazy. Okay. Uh, let's get to uh, trick two. Not all tickets go on sale initially. So 90 minutes into the sale, Ticketmaster started releasing hundreds more, hundreds more tickets for between $99 and $159. 
including a slow dribble of seats from eight additional sections to the side and behind the stage that weren't initially available to fans. Hundreds, hundreds more tickets were added uh, July, June, July, August. Uh, they're artificially driving up the price. So they're artificially giving the impression of high demand, said Tony Merchant, a class action lawyer who launched a fan lawsuit against Ticketmaster in February after Canada's competition bureau accused the company of price gouging. What are your thoughts? I think that Ticketmaster has a right to do um, businesses they see fit as long as uh, they're not breaking any laws. Well, I don't even see that's where, you know, I would say like, does the law necessarily dictate what's immoral? No. Right. Right. Like you could argue the law regarding pollution is so low or so of low quality that the polluting standards mean people are doing things immoral anyways, mm-hmm. right? Like my, my point is just to simply say, I don't like using the laws as the guide of what's immoral. What if the, what if the moral, or sorry, what if the law makes something we deem immoral, sorry, we deem moral illegal? Does that mean that we necessarily should disagree? No, there's, you know, it's, I think we should decide whether or not the law belongs there first. Um, and I think that's where our conversation is more focused on, like, forget the legal legality because, I mean, that's, you know, you can play games with the law a little bit. You can create class action lawsuits and maybe you just get a settlement to make it go away, blah, 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 blah. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I look at this, I, I, I would compare this to a scenario that I know of, which was Joe Rogan was in Toronto recently and he was originally at the Rico Coliseum, which is right around the corner from the Air Canada Centre, which is a smaller building. There's essentially the equivalent to the lower bowl of the ACC or Scotiabank Arena. Um, and yeah, I know, Schneidly Mark from me. I used to work there. Give me a break. I love it as the ACC. That's what I'll know it as for like 20 years. Kind of like Skydome. Anyways, rabbit trail. Um, come on, bringing it back. So Joe Rogan, at first, got all of his, the people who bought tickets at Rico got transferred over. Then they made all the tickets that were in the lower bowl available that, that you know, didn't have an equivalent transfer. Once the lower bowl sold out, what'd they do? Well, they opened it up to the upper bowl. And, and I mean, from a, a comedian's performance, why would you want the lower bowl not sold out and then have scattering amongst the upper bowl? So to flip it around a bit, you know, from a venue, it makes way more sense to only sell the lower bowl if you know you're not necessarily going to have the demand to sell at the whole arena. And so actually tiering your sales would allow you to potentially have a slightly different setup. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I can remember going to a, a small, again, working at the ACC, a small venue where they literally cut the arena into like a third. And so your, your floor seat was just like one end of the arena. You know, you might only have like 10 rows on the floor and then you have, you know, the, the one zone behind the basketball net or behind the uh, right. uh, hockey net. Right? Like that one little section. Well, how do they do? What, why is the benefit? Well, now I don't have to employ staff for the entire building for a mm-hmm. thing that's only going to need, you know, 5,000 people. Mm-hmm. Right? So from a promoter, like there's strategic reasons that make it cost effective. Like if I had to staff the entire building, but I only had 5,000 people coming to an event, like it's going to cost me more. Like I'm actually might have to cancel the event because not enough people bought tickets. 
So I know the Bruno Mars scenario is like, obviously they're going to sell out. It's a little bit different. Um, but my, my point is really that, you know, it's not as simple as being like, well, they did this behavior and there's no rational explanation. Cause I, I think I laid out a rational explanation as to why you would tier letting tickets go on sale because you need to understand the demand in order to figure out how you're going to use the venue in question. Okay. Wow. Okay. So then, uh, trick three, double dip fees on scalp tickets. Ticketmaster charged $350,000 in service fees for the Bruno Mars concert and then nearly doubled the revenue with resales. The company, which for years publicly denounced scalpers, now runs a verified resale program that lets scalpers sell, sell directly on Ticketmaster's site and lets the company collect fees a second time for the same ticket. All right. I think the hypocrisy should point out the problem with government regulation. Well, wait, so wait, what do you mean government regulation? I thought uh, Ticketmaster was private. So why were they for years publicly denouncing scalpers? Because they were lobbying for making reselling tickets illegal. Okay. So, you know, for the, and again, this is a, I'm not the one claiming this statement. I totally agree with it. I got it from, uh, I think it's Dan Bordeaux, um, who's an economist. The strongest regulation is free market regulation, whereas government regulation is subject to corporate lobbying. Generally speaking, corporations will lobby the government to protect themselves. They might present it in a way that they're protecting the customer. Okay. But in reality, they're protecting themselves. Perfect example is Ticketmaster. If the resale market didn't exist, Ticketmaster could charge higher prices. Because okay. even any of the complaints you have towards you know, the fir- pr- trick one and trick two would result in even higher prices. Because now they want to, like, as an economist... Or, or economic decision making, what you want is to literally sell the last ticket at the highest possible price that you could get, right? So you want to maximize your revenue for the event by, by, by changing your prices slightly just so that you, maybe you have three empty seats in the building. Mm-hmm. If I, in order to sell those three empty seats, maybe I would have barely made a little bit of extra money. But now all those other seats that actually sold, I got maximum dollar for. Right. So. You know, people be like, oh, that might, they might consider that greedy and whatnot. Okay, fine. If you think these business practices are, are something you disagree with, you're, you're full liberty to do so. The reason why I'm against government regulation is because a government created monopoly means or government regulation generally creates barriers to enter the market. If there's barriers to enter the market, <laughs> telecom, Rogers Bell, for us in Canada, you you can't when there's excess profits being earned because of practices that you don't like like these trick 1 trick 2 and trick 3 you might not like those practices you might be saying well these companies are making extra profit when there's barriers to entry companies can't enter when you don't have which essentially translates to restriction on competition basic economics everybody should agree more competition means prices will go down if you don't agree with that 
I would say you need to study economics or come talk to me, challenge me, tell me why you think that's wrong. And I'll, and I'll, and I'll engage you. I'm not going to tell you why you're wrong. I'm going to engage whatever it is, whatever opinion you have. How do you come to that conclusion? So, so explain to me because I'm, I'm not following how you're saying the government is involved with Ticketmaster. Well, my, my point is, if you look historically, you know, has scalping always been legal universally? No. Anyone who watched Home Improvement back in the day, Tim the Toolman Taylor got arrested for selling <laughs> Detroit Red Wings tickets in a parking lot. Right. So, you know. Okay. So, so in that aspect, um, government not... Um, making the resale market illegal. Right. Why, why did they get rid of that? Or why is that now essentially not true? I mean, you can look at uh, Rob Ford, Doug Ford, sorry, stopped a law going into place he, or he postponed it. And, and the statement was, it was around resale market and they were trying to restrict resales to up to 50% of the face value. And his answer was, we can't police this. So it's a great law created by the great, in quotations for anyone who's not watching, which is everybody. Um, it's a, a law that might have be well-intentioned, but his argument was, well, until we know we can enforce this, why are we making this a law? Right. So he's postponing the law. He's not canceling the law. It's like, let's create a law in their minds that we can actually enforce. If you can't enforce it, what's the point? Right, because now you have guys who are uh, capitalizing on the resale market, uh, like this guy named uh, Julian Laval, who's from Quebec, who's one of the top resellers in the world, uh, who basically purchases tickets by bots um yeah that was part of this the law too they were trying to minimize they wanted to make it illegal for the bots yeah so uh the, like uh, there was an adele concert and uh he purchased 300 tickets in 25 minutes right <laughs> and so when they did the research and they saw the purchases were like done like in chicago la the uk but this guy's from quebec right there you know it raised a lot of questions and you know now he's making millions and he's continuing to do this and part of it is uh, he does this through StubHub so he's one of their top resellers and kind of like what Ticketmaster StubHub is doing now well, they always, always been doing always been doing because that's what or game StubHub time. is it's yeah it or what's it called game time app or uh, SeatGeek in that it's those those those, those websites are resale. resell for for resellers so you know there's incentive for them to resell right um so even now like yeah ticketmaster gets a cut off of that resell so for those who are trying to follow along how does ticketmaster how is ticketmaster involved with scalpers well scalpers buy from ticketmaster and then resell on ticketmaster and ticketmaster gets a cut and hence the double dip and and this is where i'm like calling it a double dip is not fair because there are two different scenarios right and and we can maybe go back into the first scenario in a second because part of this is like why is Ticketmaster so big? They, they corner like 80% of the market of the original ticket sales. And, and I want to come back to that. But the second, to say that they're double dipping is, is kind of ignorant to the context. Because what's the second fee for? It's a much different scenario. It's a different seller coming to them and reselling. So what you're saying, if you think Ticketmaster shouldn't be double dipping is... Everybody else can charge people a fee to sell on their platform, i.e. GameTime, StubHub, the people who sell tickets via those platforms. There's fees involved. Right. But Ticketmaster, if you're going to resell, you're not allowed to charge a fee. Mm -hmm. That doesn't sound fair. 
Mm-hmm. So what you're basically saying is Ticketmaster can't enter the the market. Yeah. Well. 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 They dominate the, the market right now. Well. The, yeah. But they have a small fraction of the resale market. They don't own a lot. They're they're no, they're right. petty. Yeah. Well. 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 Hence. Hence having the uh, StubHub and. Yeah. Right. And, and and so I mean, my concern would be if you're essentially you're gonna if you eliminate like the law that uh, that Kathleen Wynne's liberals tried to put forward, if you were essentially making resale illegal. You'd be pushing off of a digital platform because anyone who wants to sell more than fifty percent over face value would now just have to do it hand to hand because government, you know, government can't enforce the non-digital version, or it's much harder to enforce the non-digital transactions. Whereas the digital transaction, they can just make the platform follow the law and and penalize the platform. But to in- penalize individual people is all impossible. But when you got five players in the market, you just Whatever you know, get them to submit records, and if in, and if things don't comply, they get charged a fee. So my point though is that would that would inhibit the secondary market. And if Ticketmaster is ever going to be unseated as this behemoth, the, the secondary market is where the innovation is going to occur because they're such a leader in the primary market, and it's very similar platforms. Um, that. That, that I'm purely speculative. I know I'm getting it, but like, there's so much similarity in the platform of selling that somebody developing such a good platform on the secondary market side would now be able to compete on the primary market side. And so, I think for the listener, right, just for the listener, just differentiate between primary and secondary. So market. The, the primary market being Ticketmaster has 80% of the contracts with the venue to distribute the tickets. So there's other things like Eventbrite and and um, there's other... Eventbrite's probably the second most popular, at least for me, where you would go to an, an event, you buy your ticket through a platform, right? It's not like a Leaf game. You can get a ticket from seven different platforms. Generally, they sign up, they, they come to an agreement with one company, in this case, almost all sporting events in Canada are through Ticketmaster. They, it's, it's economies of scale. The company itself, like the Air Canada Center, doesn't want to have to have a platform to do this. They, it's better for them, like in this case, Bruno Mars, it's better for him to pay them a fee to coordinate the ticket sales. So that's the primary market. Secondary market just being any individual who has a ticket and needs to sell it or wants to sell it. Um, so, you know, I think for the listener, it's about understanding, you know, whether or not like what's really going on here, right? Like, can I judge them as immoral? Um, and and you know the answer is all of these transactions were voluntary to me. Like that's the primary thing here. Mm-hmm. You know, Ticketmaster engaged in activities to make prices go up. But if those activities didn't work, if they if someone's like, no, you know that extra twenty dollars a ticket, I'm not willing to pay it. They would have brought ticket prices back down, but people were willing to pay that price. And so if they were overcharged. Well, clearly nobody paid a price higher than what they considered the value of the ticket to be. Right, and that's why I asked the question at the start. Well, you know, based on your favorite band or sports team, you know, everybody has a price, right? Everybody has a price in regards to doing that. Yeah, no, no, for sure. So, I mean, I would say. You know, one of the things I want to point people to that I think would be a really good opportunity for, you know, learning, really this comes down to, to price discrimination. Um, they're doing it on a, a, 
a large scale, not an, you know, not every customer is getting a different price. Um, but there's a book in 2010 released by Walter Block. I'll put it in the show notes page. It's a free PDF uh, from the Mises Institute called The Case for Discrimination. And uh, yeah, just check it out. I mean, I think you'd be really informed. Like you'll learn a lot about how discriminating prices actually could be, it actually is more beneficial to the economy as a whole um, and, and creates efficiencies. And, and people at the lower end of the income scale actually benefit uh, a good example being price discrimination at the movie theater right the the elders elderly and the child pays less but if they weren't allowed that price discrimination everybody everybody but adults would pay more so um that's my two cents darnell what's uh anything um, you want to well, leave the listener with i think the key question is who will protect the customer uh right in regards to you know protecting them from Ticketmaster and the scalper so to me, the answer is market competition. So the fact that uh, Ticketmaster is not a monopoly, when I mean a monopoly, I mean they don't set prices. So when the time comes for a competitor to, to come to the forefront, I, I believe like the customer has to support it. Only then um, will Ticketmaster uh, change its ways. So I'll, I'll close off with a quote from Milton Friedman's book, uh, Free to Choose. And he, says it, and he says this, he's basically summarizing Adam Smith's view on um, competition in regards to the market and protecting the customer. Competition does not protect the consumer because businessmen are more soft-hearted than the bureaucrats or because they are more generous or even because they are more competent, but only because it is in the self-interest of the businessmen to serve the consumer. Uh, Let us know what you guys think. Um, Are we getting ripped off by Ticketmaster? Follow us on Twitter at Six Sense Report or on Facebook Six Sense Report and let us know see you guys soon but you heard me does that make sense Madden and Mitchell Media